A huge shout-out of thanks to our major sponsor, Pertech. If you have Pertech on your team, they will never let you down. Visit Pertech at pertech.com.au. And for all your travel needs, make sure you visit our great friends at Tripadil. Tripadil.com.au. Welcome team, I'm so excited today to bring a very good friend of mine but a very good professional in so many ways, which we'll go to in a minute, but Hayley Butler, thank you for your time. I don't know if you follow the podcast, but the reason I do the podcast is to help other people in certain areas. Now, a lot of those people are teachers, coaches, trainers, leaders, business people, I've got a feeling, oh, and a lot of athletes, but I've got a feeling we're going to cross over a few areas here with you. Now, one of them is your athletic journey, of course. You're an international athlete, sprinter, great track athlete, sprinter, hurdler, uh, great team member of relay teams. So we'll definitely go through your athletic career, but I think there's one for the mums out there. I really do. Uh, You... Had your first baby in 2009 and six months later on the track, super fit, qualifying for a Commonwealth game. So we we have to go there because there's something about inspiring mums, whether they're athletes or whatever. So uh, we're going to go there for sure. Um, but then also your coaching journey. Now you're making a difference to a lot of lives. You're coaching a lot of um, potential superstars. Yeah, that I'm sure we're going to see in the big the up in lights in a few years time. Um, so yeah, let's let's just let the listeners get to know you a little bit. Used to be Haley Cameron, now Haley Butler. I remember you as a little kid, Haley Cameron, this little gun athlete that used to run around, and I remember your father who was a, a coach. So coaching's obviously been in you from a, from a young age. Um, but I remember you as this young little athlete. So can you tell me a little bit about growing up and your athletic career? And by the way, nothing is scripted here. The chat will just go and we'll see where it goes. So let's get to know you. If someone's watching that have never met you, yeah. let's get to know you. Well, I started my athletic career at the age of five. My dad was, we need to put her in, let's do it. And from there I was with a little athletics club up until under 16s, I think it was, um, was someone who was very successful um, at club level um, but always made state. I could tell you from I think you start state at maybe under nines, under tens. I think I got three medals in total. Um, And then I was lucky enough uh, in high school I um, went to Westfield Sports and that's when it sort of really kicked off for me. That's when I started to get some state titles, national titles, was under some really great coaches there and um, a lot of my lifetime friends I've met there and very successful school and friends that I had around me. Um, And then, yeah, as you will sort of fast forward to when you were saying when I had um, Cooper, who is now 14. Um, So, yeah, I was successful as a teenager and as a child, but I I wouldn't say I was this superstar athlete. Um, But by the time I was... Doing athletics after high school, I don't think any of them, any anyone that I was racing against as a teenager or as a child was still doing athletics. Um, but I had a few years off, probably from 22 to 24, and I uh, got married, had Cooper. And, yeah, I think just being at home with my son, I just had to, I had to be busy. So I started training just at home and I bounced back from having Cooper really well. Um, I was very busy with him, as you know, being, you know, a well, father. Know. Well, I, at being a father, though. Okay, my your wife, wife knows. knows. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's hectic and it's full on. But you also have those times when you're just like, what do I do? And I was, you know, housework's done. So I just started to go back in, um, in the backyard and doing lunges and just sort of just, you know, ab work and going for jogs with him in the pram. And I just felt really bouncy, really good. So I called up my... Um, coach, previous coach Penny Gillies and said, oh, I think I might want to start running again. And she welcomes me back with open arms. Come on. And it was just a hell of a ride from there. Like everything just, I was running better than I ever did after having Cooper. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I'll dig deeper into that yeah. after. 
So we've just raced through your childhood. You mentioned the school. Um, So first of all, how good of a sport is track and field for kids? It's just the foundation for so many things. But you you were thrown in very early. And then you mentioned the school. Like how, what a great school. Westfield Sports have churned out so many good athletes across so many sports. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you watch the World Cup soccer and there's Westfield athletes. You watch the Olympics. There's Westfield athletes on the track. Um, that crew that you went through with, I'm thinking of names like Danny Samuels, who's a world champion. Yep. Discus thrower. You got Fabrice Lapierre. Definitely. Yep. He's a world indoor champ. Long yeah. jump. Yep. Like Commonwealth champ. Like, there's a lot of gun athletes out of there. Um, part of your crew, I'm thinking back, have gone on in other areas of their life. Aaron Warburton's the CEO of the Canterbury Bulldogs. He was a great athlete with yep. your crew. Yep. Um, so, cause there's little life lessons you learn in track and field, attention to detail of certain things that can influence you in whatever way you go. So, um, but what a great school that you're at. And I love how you remember all great coaches that influenced you because now, now you're coaching yep. that would be coming out. You fast forward and you then mentioned Penny Gillies. So Penny was, um. Possibly from memory, I'm pretty sure she was an Olympian in yeah, maybe 1972, yep. maybe. Hurdler, yeah. Hurdler um, has had an influence on a lot of people's lives, yep. including my own wife. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which I remember meeting you when you were 16 years old, and you said at the time you were idolizing my wife, which is a spin out. Oh, she wasn't my wife then, by the way. It's just a spin out that here we are yep. now talking that I remember that time. Your father was coaching, I was working at Paramount Eagles, your father was coaching a junior team and you came in the gym at a really young age and I think he asked us to teach you a few things and mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, who's your favourite athlete? And at that stage, so we must be talking like maybe around 1998 maybe because Nicole had been the Australian Open champion in 98. So I dare say you were just watching then. the domestic yep. scene and went, yeah. But what a spin out that Penny coached her. I know. And then Penny coached you. Yep. Penny was at my wedding. Yeah, she's at my <laughs> wedding. <laughs> so what yep. a uh, what a small world that yep. all this is kind of coming out. But um, yeah, you've got great coaching influences in you. Um, the little message there too is you weren't like a superstar. No. No. And not at you all. hung in there like yeah. from memory you. From memory, you, when you got married and that, you had a couple of years off. Mm-hmm. So pretty much a lot of athletes, like, that's it. I'm done. done. Yep. And there's something in there that made you say, no, I want to do this again. So there's a real love of it, like a genuine love of it that's it in was, there. Yeah, ingrained, I think. It was yeah. still there because I remember even, because just before I had Cooper actually, I played a game, I was tag, and I ended up um, doing my collarbone and I had to have a, Rico and everything and I remember even then I'd go and do recovery sessions in the pool and my thought process especially doing laps and things you have it you know you've got all this time to think and it's very silent in the pool and I my thought process thought process was always picturing myself running going back to athletics without even ever talking about it it was just in those quiet moments of just reflecting on things it was always just there in the back of my mind so yeah definitely when I felt right to go back. I thought, oh, why not? Because mm, there's a little message there. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you think of rugby league and you think like Cody Walker didn't make his debut until he was 26. Yeah. There's a lot of kids have given up before yeah. then because they think, oh, it's over. I'm yep. not going to make it. And track and field especially because it it is such a hard sport to crack in particular if there's other things going on in your life like families, jobs, yep. careers because it's not a full-time profession. Yeah. So... There's a there's a message there that it's not too late. Like no. like a lot of kids have given up by twenty. Yep. If they haven't made it, so you had your baby at twenty four. Mm-hmm. I can't like I remember I remember seeing you back on the track and I was seriously like, are you super mum or something? Like <laughs> what what? And then you've told me what you're doing and. Mm. It was just a love of it and you're out in the backyard and you're lunging and doing your abs or whatever. And then you've come back, you've hooked up with Penny and you've qualified for the Commonwealth Games. Now mm. people train their whole life to do that and you, here we go. You mm. were at it mm. at, what, 25? Mm. 
Now, you didn't go. No. That was sad. <laughs> Stress fracture. Yeah, both. Both feet, both naviculars. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. That yeah. was Because it was such a ride getting there and it happened so quick and it was just, you know, I can't believe I'm here and I'm selected for the Commonwealth Games and I've just, it's just been this whirlwind. And then we got straight into training and I think also having that time off maybe led to then going into everything, especially hurdling. Hurdling is so hard on your body after having a child as well. Maybe that just, it was a bit too much because definitely through those years after, I had to end up giving up hurdles because I ended up with the stress fractures, tearing my hip. It just sort of took a toll on my body. But, yeah, pre um, six weeks out from going to Delhi, I got diagnosed with both stress fractures. But we trained hard. Like I remember Belinda Gainsford calling me and she's like, get in the pool. These are some sessions you need to do. We worked so hard in the gym, doing what we could do, swimming, uh, pool sessions, bike sessions, staying strong. And I gave myself every opportunity Went to Cairns and um, to have a pre-race before Delhi and ended up just fracturing it. Like it just was not meant to be, unfortunately. Yes. Which yes. was heartbreaking. No, it was. Um, you mentioned we, so probably the listeners haven't worked that yes. out yet that we actually did work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time I was working at the Paramount Eels and you would, we'd put a bit of a team around you. Uh, which was great at the Parramatta Club at the time. I mean, I was working full-time for them, but they knew this passion over here for helping other athletes of different sports and they they allowed for that and welcomed that and made you part of their club almost. Yep. Uh, so it was really good of them at the time because they had all the resources, right? So I was helping with your planning and your training and your gym and all that stuff and put some other people around you like Vicky Locke, the physio, who you, I think you still see. I still see, see her, yeah. Um, Karen, who was massage, um, still see her, Craig yeah. Catterick, like there's all these people. Yep. Um, so we try to put a team around you at the time, and I, I remember learning stuff from you too. Like I'm, I'm telling you, no problem. Like you're coming into the gym with a with a moon boot on your foot or on crutches, and I'm saying it's okay. We're going to get stronger. We're going to get better. And anyway, cutting the story short, I feel you actually got stronger during that time. Just improvising other ways to train. So there were certain lifts you couldn't do but there was other ones you could do and improvising and then planning that for the next year, how to get stronger, how to then get more powerful, how to then convert that to speed and eventually convert that to the track. There's a whole plan in place which is another episode altogether Mm. but I remember your approach to that like I think you trained harder when you were injured or more diligent than I've ever seen anybody. So you you spend all this time in this moon boot, you come back stronger and then you make the Australian team again as a, as a relay runner, right, mm-hmm. which no one would have expected. No. So for the track people it's like she went, she gave up for a couple of years, weren't a rock star, superstar as a kid. Well, you were good. Obviously, but you weren't a super I wasn't a world junior. Yeah. I never made yeah. world juniors, these kinds yeah. of teams, yep. Then you had a few years off. Then you've had a baby. Then you've had the stress fractures. People are thinking it's all over. Mm-hmm. You go somewhere to race and all of a sudden you're beating the genuine 100-metre sprinters, right? Mm. And you get picked in the Australian team for the 4 by 100 metre relay at, at a world championships. Mm. Like. I oh, know. Do you I'm, pinch yourself about this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because both times it was just... It all happened within like two months. Like it was just these opportunities that, and I was ready for them. And that's from training so hard and having, you know, yourself and these people around me that got me through those times. And so, yeah, when the opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's race. And it just, yeah, I still like the world championships is on at the moment. I still just go, I can't believe I ran there. Like that's crazy. Like it's still, you know. It's just, yeah, insane. But um, it comes – and I, my son recently, last year, he had a really bad uh, leg break. Yeah. And he was in a wheelchair and, you know, and I – and he come off that probably better than he was before it because 
I know that if you're injured, it's not, it actually gives you the opportunity to work on other things. You can come back stronger. And I definitely, you know, and I've, I've lived through that. So I know, and I tell my athletes now that I have, it's not the be all and end all. You just got to change that mindset and you have to have the right people around you to support you, which I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an opportunity to get better at something. Absolutely. There's always an opportunity there, but the mindset is the key and the people around you is the key. So I'm glad you remember that because I remember like, I remember staying up to watch that race and seeing you in those starting blocks. You were the first leg runner. Mm. It's really weird. Like even for all of us that were part of it, it was such a proud moment but happiness for you because Mm. we knew the journey journey Mm. and the sacrifices Mm. and the hard work and it was like it was such a proud moment. Like I remember taking a picture of the screen on Mm. the TV, you know, Um, which is the same when you're in coaching. It's like the same feeling you get when someone makes their debut yep. or their first rep team or like it's just because you know there's a story yep. behind it. Yeah. So yours was a fascinating story and there's so much more to share but thanks for sharing even that much. The following year, you get the letter in the mail, you're an Olympian. You've made the Olympics. You're in the Australian team to make the Olympics and you're in a – you're in a relay team with the likes of Sally Pearson and, you know, you've got a gun team at the time. And But for the listeners that, that don't understand how the qualification works for, for a relay at the Olympics, you have to be in the top 16 nations. Your team was ranked in the top 16 when you got the letter saying, Haley, congratulations. Basically your lifelong dream of being Olympian, you're in. Yeah. And then like. What a week before, a couple of weeks before. It was two weeks before. Two weeks before, there's a there's a track meet goes on in Europe. It was yeah, European champs, and they had. So there's not many opportunities for us to race and keep bettering our times as well. Yeah, because um, Sally so, was traveling yeah. the world and she was preparing to win the Olympics Absolutely. herself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we were sitting 15th, and Great Britain were actually sitting 16th. Yeah. And then relays happened, and we both got bumped out. So. From the like European Championships. Yeah. So, I mean, so Great Britain didn't have a home team at the Olympics. No, like that's how cutthroat no, this, this was. So, yeah. So your dream is there and it's taken away from you. Mm. Do you remember getting the phone call saying you're out? Yeah, I was actually at, at Westfield's school reunion, 10-year reunion. Yeah, right. And everyone's like, congratulations, you know, you've made me. It's like, yeah, on this high and then, Yeah. I didn't tell anyone. I sort of just left and was like, wow, like that's it, it's over. Wow. Mm. So you had some other parts of that journey representing Australia. Yeah. Like in well, the Relays, end. Bahamas, yeah. went to Japan, travelled a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it did add a lot to your your life experiences but yeah. you just missed that, that Olympic uh, yeah. experience that you wanted. But in that, I mean, we just name dropped Sally Pearson. Mm-hmm. What an athlete. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Now, there's people that can learn through their career off certain people, right? And then they can share it later on in life like you are now. Mm. I've, I've watched Sally train. I've, I watched Sally train at, um, at a track in Tombridge before the 2012 Olympics and, and I watched her went, holy, she's next level. Her mm. focus, yeah. her like... It was laser-like focused, mm. this training session. I'll never forget it. All mm. The whole team's training everywhere all around the track. But Sally's session and her focus and her detail, I was like, she's going to win this Olympic Games. Like it looks like nothing's going to stop her. Yeah. Now, that's just one observation I had in one day. You were her roommate. You yeah. toured with her. You travelled with her. So tell me about Sally Pearson and any lessons that you've learned from her that may inspire someone who's watching or listening? Yeah, um, so we roomed together. I mean, we were on a few teams together, but World Champs we roomed roomed together where she ended up winning the World Champs. Um, But she's, yeah, next level. I've never seen anyone like her. Her, she just has this relentless attitude towards everything and I followed her. Like I followed her through all World Champs because she was hurdling as well, so I was... And she just, the belief she had in herself. And I could, I'd say this in a positive way. She was very selfish. 
Um, she just knew what she wanted and no one was getting in her way. Like she, and I really admired that about her. It's something I lacked, I think, as a, as an athlete, I was sort of never wanted to make anyone feel bad or feel, if I felt, if I was selfish, I felt really bad, but I, I now I understand there was a, there was a difference. You can be kind and you can be, you know, thankful and you can be loyal, but you can, you can also, you need to be selfish and that's, that's what she was. And she, um almost like an arrogance about her, but yeah. she just, yeah. Well, that's an interesting topic because there's a lot of team players that listen to this and mm. selfish team players, you don't want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of team sports where you're trying to to um, put team first and, and selfless mm. actions, mm. doing things for other people, mm. always how can I help someone else. But mm. I think the bit you're talking about selfish is, Selfish with her time, her selfish with her, no. yeah. what she needs to eat, selfish with her time she gives to other people, selfish with her, her sleep time, her recovery time. Yeah, her, she just. Yeah, like it was like I know what I need. You yeah. c- it's really easy yeah. to go away on teams and have different coaches and people telling you a lot of information. Why are you doing that warm up? Why are you doing this? And you tend to sort of go, oh, should I be doing this? So I was just, no, that's, yeah. I don't need that. I don't need yeah. you to do, I know what I need to prepare. I mean, she's yeah. number one in the world. So you've, you got, you've got to get to that mental, you know, like she's just like, this is what works for me. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Where a lot of us would kind of be like, oh, oh, maybe I should do that warm up instead of that one. Like it's a, yeah. it's just, but she just, I admired that about her. She was so strong in what she believed and knew what would prepare her the best for how yeah. she needed to race. And I've got a funny story. Hmm. I don't think it's funny, actually. I shouldn't have said it's funny, but <laughs> so I've watched. So we're in Tombridge. It was a pre-Olympic camp, and I was there for a couple of reasons with different athletes and people and whatever. But anyway, the accommodation that I was in was in this. Um, with the Australian team had a like a college boarding school style accommodation. Now, again, her selfishness. That is a good way of saying how she was selfish. She moved herself out of the athlete's dorm into another dorm where mm. all the coaches were staying mm. purely to get zeroed in and not have any distractions because mm. the athlete's dorm could, you know, there's people there just loving life and that's a big, you know, like she was there to win. She was only there to win. Yeah. So this is the part where it kind of got, like I'd seen that focus and I respected it so much that I had a night out with um Jai Opatea, who you know, the boxer, he was he was the youngest ever heavyweight to box at Olympics, at that Olympics. And I was with his father, who was his coach and whatever. So we'd had a night out, actually. It was it was an opening ceremony. So Sally had obviously marched, or the athletes had, and she was obviously in bed asleep, curled up asleep, which is crucial for an athlete, your sleep time, while me and um, Jai's dad are out. <laughs> Anyway, for me to get to my room, I had to open the front doors of this big dorm and I would have had to have walked past Sally's room. And I was, because I'd seen her focus and seen her on the track and and I respect it massively, I was like, I can't stay there. Like, I I can't go home. I'm I'm not going to be able to get in because I I don't want to wake her up. Like, can you imagine someone like, I don't really know her, but can you imagine someone woke her up when she'd made all these sacrifices to be in that room? So off that, mm. I was just to interrupt you for one minute. So when I was rooming with her world champs the night before her final, she, she's favourite to win, She's, yeah. I'm rooming with her and I wake up at 2am and I need to go to the toilet <gasps> and I'm busting and I'm like, I can't yeah. move. I, like imagine I wake <laughs> I remember just laying there for so long and it just got to the point where I was kind of just like army rolled out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I completely understand. Well, yes, yeah, so <laughs> I didn't felt. enter the building. I didn't even yeah. go to my own room. I had to go somewhere else with the boxing coach. And, yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but that, that yeah, when you said selfish, it just kind of got me on a bit of a tangent there because I do everything in my power, I want to teach kids about being not selfish, but yeah. this is a good self. Yes, that's what I meant this to say. A in a positive, as I said, like I'm not, you know, don't be rude. And you've, especially in a team sport, you can't be selfish. It's yeah. the complete opposite. Yeah. But also, you need to know how, what, 
to get the best out of yourself, yeah. what you need to do prayer. And you can't let anyone sort of steer you away from that as well. Well, I thought that was a great example. Here's the athlete storm where there's a lot of fun going on. Yep. Or here's a quiet one. Yep. All the boring old people, I'm going to get out of that one and go to yeah. that one because I want to sleep because I'm very, very selfish and meticulous about my sleep time, my yep. rest time, my eating time, even my mind space. Like I need to be clear, like get away, mm. you know. Yep. So I really respect that. About her, is there any other athletes that you admired some of their traits in those teams? That again, like every time I ask a question, I'm thinking of the listeners. How is that helping them? Yeah. So, is there any other lessons you learned from other athletes? I mean, she was the best in the world and Olympic champion. But anyone else? Danny Samuels, definitely. Like training yeah. partner, she was, um, you know, just her professionalism to everything. And, you know, she was someone that I think a lot of people could still relate to though. You know, she was very approachable, very, you know, very humble and nice-natured. Like she was very approachable to many. Um, I love that about Dan and she was a phenomenal athlete. Um, Going off athletics, I mean, through you we had the opportunity to train with a lot of athletes, Danny Green being one. That was – I love those moments in the gym with him. He was just a a machine. Danny's been on the podcast before. It was a great yep. chat. We didn't film it though. I wish we did. Mm. Um, if I said Danny Green, what comes to mind right now? I just think like animal, like this, like he was just, just go, 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 go. Like he was just, again, professional, but it was, it sort of, it was fun to be around. It sort of didn't have that intimidation factor about it. It was just like, he was very open to having people there and train with him and, you know, was always giving you advice and things like that. But just to watch him train, he was just, yeah, unstoppable, yeah. definitely. He would walk in the gym and the energy lifts yeah. Bam, yeah, straight absolutely. away. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as he walks in and then it was on. Mm. And and his focus and his, like people, people would remember his fight against Roy Jones Jr. Mm. Who was... An eight-time world champion and and a, and a hall of famer. Like mm. Roy Roy Jones Jr. is a legend, and Greeny fought him. And some people would say it was a lucky punch, mm. but you saw him in those gyms. He mm. was in such a zone, mm. in between his rest periods. Like let's say he's lifting weights, but in between the little rest periods where people take a rest, he he would be in the corner of the gym. He'd have a little. We had a dummy set up, the same kind of stance as how Roy would look. And the punch that he eventually knocks Roy Jones Jr. out in the first round, I'd seen him do it a thousand times in his little, when he's in a zone, just so focused, in between exercises in the gym. He was in the corner of the room practicing Mm. that punch. I obviously then saw him do it with his pad work with his trainer, Angelo Hyder. I saw him do it in sparring, but it wasn't lucky. Like Mm. there's nothing lucky. No. About that historic moment. But it was cool that I asked you, what do you think of Danny Green? And that that energy just popped out. Yeah, definitely. So those were good times. Um, Let's fast forward. Let's go to now. So there's so much more about your athletic career and lessons off different people. But I want to talk about your coaching. Because you're running a pretty good business. Can't beat speed. I see it on the jumper there. Um, that's very smart too to wear it in here. Um, <laughs> can't beat speed. Well, you can't. No. In any sport. You hear commentators say it all the time. Yeah. Yep. You can't beat speed. Yep. But let's get rid of the myth. Mm. People think you can't train it either. They think you're either born or mm. slow or fast, but you can coach it. Yeah. Yeah. So when I hear people say, oh, you're either fast or you're not. Mm. There's an element of truth in that about genetically where you're at. Yeah. What, what your makeup is, it's fast twitch, slow twitch. Like there's, there is some truth to it. Of course. But that doesn't mean you can't take someone to their absolute potential yep. through coaching. Yep. So I have this debate with people around speed all the time and I go, well, hang on a minute. So Usain Bolt was born fast, right? Obviously. But do you know he was not like his coach at the time didn't even believe he could be a 100-metre runner? They, were, they wanted him to be a 400-metre runner or a 200-metre runner because he didn't quite have the start right. 
for a hunt and he didn't quite have the what they thought the physique that was going to allow him to get an efficient start and all this stuff. So as years went on, all if you look up his record, he was running 200s and 400s. He was World Juniors was 200. There was no 100. Yep. And as years gone on, he's obviously practised. So when people say you're either born faster, but you obviously have to practise hmm. the skill and the technical parts of, of a race or in, in you think about his race, his split seconds, the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. But a rugby league game has 80 minutes of split seconds. Mm-hmm. So you're training a lot of rugby league players at the moment. That's yep. 80 minutes. Yep. I think that's 4,800 seconds of split seconds in the game. So Usain Bolt has 10 seconds to perfect every little movement. But there's so many opportunities in different ways in team sports. So, yeah, so that argument for me is like there's an element of truth but you can't coach it because like let's say at some stage he was fast. At some stage he was running low 20 seconds for a 200. But 10 years later he's running 19.19. So... A second at, let's say, 10 metres per second, that's 10 metres. Yeah. So, so he's improved 10 metres. I have kids. From practice. I have kids. I have athletes that come to me and I time everything. Yeah. So you'll, I'll be at training. I have like six stopwatches going like I'm – and I write everything down and I say to people, like I said, time things so you can see the improvement. And so when you say a second to people, they think, oh, that's not much. But I'm like, it's 10 metres. Like you're just improved. Yeah. You've just beaten yourself like six weeks ago. This is where you would have finished. This is how much you would have beaten yourself by. Ten metres is massive, especially in a footy game. If you're yeah. good, if that's the difference between chasing someone down or, you know, yeah. scoring that try. It's, it's yeah, it's really big. Yeah, well, they get to a they get to an age where there's so many other things to train for. So you can't. A hundred percent. Like if you're with team sport athletes. So they especially. Can't, you can't dedicate. No. The time, like a bolt, would have to go from, no. you know, a ten-five sprinter to a nine-five sprinter. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But the principles there. What I'm trying to get across is you can coach it. There's little details. There's yeah. so many details that can be coached. Yeah. And particularly in team sports, there's so many different ways you have to be fast from different start positions. Yeah. Different. So, I mean, on the track, it's like standard. Here's your start position. Here's your blocks at yeah. certain angles to get the most efficient start, and it's in a straight line. In the team sports that you're working with, there's so many little improvement areas. Yep. So, yeah, for the people say that you can't train for speed, well, they're wrong. Yep. But they're also whoever's told them you're either born fast or slow. They're also right. Yep. But as a coach, you're trying to take someone to their absolute potential. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Which you got to as an athlete. Yep, yep. Like you took it right. Like so you end up running, I forget, let's say 11 and a half seconds for your 100 mm. when you were making those teams. Am I right? Roughly. Mm-hmm. But at some stage you were 12 and a half seconds. Yeah. At some stage yep. you were always a fast kid. Yeah. Like you were a national, state, medalist, all that stuff. You're always a fast kid. But mm. through practice and detail and training and planning mm. and preparation and so much went into that. That's 10 metres. Yep. Yeah. So let's get rid of that myth. So now you're helping people get faster, can't beat speed. Where do you see this going? Because what I love about it is your passion for coaching, which I, I want to get out of you now, and your vision of uh, why you do this stuff. Because I don't think it's ever been about, as long as I've known you, it hasn't been about money, but no. it, it's now obviously going good. Like you can't even book you now. I booked you. You came out to work with me at the Penrith Panthers a couple of years ago and I was like, hey, can I have a minute of your time because I want you to come out. I'm doing a session where we're focusing on start positions. And I always like using other voices as well. Yep. And you just really added to that Panthers team on that, that day. So now you're really busy. Like you didn't, you don't do it for that, right? No, no, not at all. What do you love about coaching? I, I love the results. Like I, I love when my athletes will come back and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I felt so fast in the game or I scored this try that I never would have or I chased this person down or, 
you know, and it's it's not okay. It's not just the results. Even at training, I just see it's, it's especially for foot, I think for footy players, soccer players, AFL players, whoever I've got, it's a different kind of training. You know, like when they first come to me, they're so used to okay, we got thirty seconds rest, let's go again, and everything's so intense. And there's a lot of pressure. Um, with me, it's like no, 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 let's slow it down. Fundamentals, let's let's get you technically running right. There's so much to it first, and it's not even just about being fast. If they if they if I can improve them technically, even when they do fitness sessions, they're going to be able to get through those sessions easier. If I can change their running style, that's going to you know make it more flowy, more relaxed, things like that. Um, but I get so much out of as much as I give to them, they give back to me. With I have um, I have a really great crew of athletes. Um, they're very respectful, and I have really good relationship ships with them and that comes from you know working with yourself back to when I had Dan Saatchi, Penny Gillies like all these people they're still so close in my life that's how I want to coach like I take this invested interest if you're going to give me your time and you give me everything I'm going to give that back to you and I'm a part of their all these athletes I have I'm just a small part of their journey you know and if I can help them improve or make a team or you know if that speed you know if it's between say a rugby league player you know, there's, they're about to be picked for a rep team and they're, you know, it's between two players and they've both got the skill, they're both strong, they're both fit, but one is faster. I'm like, they're going to pick you over the one that's slower, really, you know, yeah. if they're adding up everywhere else. So if I can um, help them in any way, that's really rewarding to me. Like I get super emotional. If a kid runs a PB in my training session, I've cried before because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you just <laughs> – like I do. I get so – you know, I love I, – I go – I try and go to a lot of the their games and things like that, um, not just as support, but I pick up a lot of things by watching watching them play as well that I can then implement into their sessions. Um, I program specifically for the child just because you're in that, that group of kids. You don't just have – I'm not just like, okay, everyone's got 660s. It's – everything's you know I've got forwards I've got you know your wingers and backs and so everything's sort of really um detailed for that for that athlete because I really do want them to improve I love that so for me I like I actually think you are a very valuable asset to any any sporting team only like I'm pretty biased but I've known you for a long time and I've seen you coach and I know your history and I know like even the team sports that you're now working with, like it's not like you don't know about those sports. You were brought up in those sports. Yeah. Like you can't ignore the fact that your dad was coaching while you're growing up and you're going along to rugby league training with dad, you know, and then you're playing Oztag and then you marry the captain of the Aussie Oztag team. And like, like footy hmm. is part of you as well combined with the track yeah. experience. And, and honestly, like, There'd be track coaches and track people who understand what I'm saying, but others won't believe me. When you have a track person, their eye for certain detail is different. Yeah. So you train your eye is trained to look at certain detail. And I know, like even I know in my own, like I, I grew up with that foundation in me and in my coaching. Like even influences obviously I have a lot of influences in team sports, but even my own father who coached world champion athletes like there's when you grow up with it you look at different things mm. and you combining with your track detail like if anyone wants to go into detail of hurdling and the technical components mm. and how one slightest thing mm. could change the result like the way you look at things combined with you're constantly trying to learn more even by going and watching them play yeah combined with studying different sports but the track foundation is pretty cool. Yeah. Like I think. Most definitely. And also the, I hear, I listen to you there, your genuine excitement when someone has a personal best no, in I training. Do. That's <laughs> because yeah. you remember what that felt like. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much that goes into getting that. And confidence is key, right? So it's yeah. not just them knowing they're faster, but the confidence that will come from that knowing that they're faster. Yeah. You know, they're going to take that game on even more so with that backing. You know, that comes from being fit and strong and everything else. I'm not saying speed is everything, of course. It's everything else has to come together. But I definitely think, you know, if I can help them yeah. know that they're fast. And, and, I, and going back to that, like I watch a lot of footage and I study a lot 
Um, but I, I always go down and do the sessions myself. So mm. there's a lot of sessions I've already done, but I'll go down. If it's a new session I'm going to put on, like I'll actually put myself through it. Yeah, right. So then I get a really good sense of like how much rest period we should have between it or, you know, how it feels. Um, I've actually, You're a freak. I've that a- won't last long. No. <laughs> we won't go into how old you are, but that won't last forever. But I've but you're act- a freak. I've actually taken – I've got a new athlete. He um, He's had an unfortunate accident when he was a footy player and he's lost the use elbow down. So he runs with this thing. Anyways, he still plays league, but – he um, wants to do have a crack at like para athletes. Like yeah. he wants to do athletics. So I was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. But he obviously has only got the use of the one arm. I actually haven't told anyone this. Now everyone will know. But I, two days ago, I went and got a sling and I went and trained and ran, went to the gym, did it all with one arm. So I could really get a sense of, okay, this is what we need to work on with him. Like his core needs to be stronger because you can only use – this side and and this. do things. This is how invested I am in what I do, but I love it. And I, I and I say this, said so it to my husband on the way here, and I said, um, even if we were to win the lotto, I would honestly still coach for not like I would do it. Maybe not so many hours, the hours I do now, <laughs> but I would still one hundred percent coach. I get so much. The athletes will thank me, and you know they're so grateful, but they give me. You know, sort of that same feeling I had when I was racing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, if I'm a parent and I have a coach looking after my kid who has genuine care like that, I want you to be an influence on their life because really the reality is when you're a coach, you have the, you're in a very responsible position. You're influencing the lives of these people. And to hear that you went down the track in a sling and went to the gym in a sling, <laughs> this is next level. I love it. I love it. What about some other, like we've talked about different influences in your life there and we talked about detail and like honestly I can't emphasise this detail enough that I know your eye is trained for. I remember in the sprint the sprint area, like some people just think you're either fast or you're not. Mm-hmm. We went there. But you remember there was a crew that I went to Jamaica with sprinting. Yeah. Now yeah. there's a great athlete. He won a gold medal in 1980 so... Were you even born in 1980? No. So his name is Donald Quarry, the first Jamaican to ever win the Olympic gold. Now he's a coach and great man. And I remember the athletes are doing some block starts and this one athlete was in a certain position and he just went over and, and he just adjusted moved, moved this position by that much. Mm. And at this stage, you know, like I've always gone around the world learning off different people and different sports, but I just loved it. And, but I loved his explanation when he come back and stood next to me and he looks at me and he says, always eliminate any unnecessary movement. Mm. And that's all it was. Like, mm. so that unnecessary little movement was going to cause mm. another effect that would affect, like it might only be a split second. But so, yeah, that level of detail I know you have. It's powerful, but let's look at the whole bigger picture of coaching. Like there's so much more to it, connecting with the person and believing in them, giving them, but there's so much of the mental game. This is not just technical anymore. Mm. When you're influencing their lives, like Mm. you need to be much more invested. Now, I remember bringing Wayne Bennett to you. Mm. Now, Wayne Bennett is the king of this stuff that we're about to go into. Best coach in history, Mm. rugby league. You talk about a good person. I remember ringing him before as you were preparing for the London Olympics and and Danny Samuels, there's a few of you. I said, Wayne, we've got this we've got this little gang of athletes here that I think you could have a positive effect on them. Just meeting Wayne to start with, but a chat. I want to know, because I, I could do a whole episode, Wayne's been on this podcast a long time ago, only the audio version, but it's worth a listen. I could talk about him forever. I want to know what you remember from that because that was pretty deliberate. I wanted him to meet you. And by the way, he usually charges about, it costs you at least 10 grand to get Wayne Bennett to travel and do a speaking gig at it for a company. Mm. He just says, what do you need? When do you need it? I'll be there and turned up. Didn't charge a cent. What do you remember from that? <laughs> um, 
So I, I mean, I don't, don't remember how long we were in there talking for, but it was, um, he was, he was great. Like anyone, if he's ever mentioned, I'm just straight away, like he, Wayne Bennett is fantastic. He just sat down. It wasn't, didn't feel like it was Wayne Bennett there as what you'd think this imitate, like, you know, you're int- intimidated by him or, it, and just the way he spoke, he was just so grounded and it, he just, he made you listen. Like you were just, you believed every word. There was no bullshit. It was just very real, um, to the, to the point where I ended up crying. <laughs> I wanted to know if you would admit this to the listeners. Oh, gosh. Wayne is sitting around a table like this. Probably one little, of the most embarrassing times sessions of and he, my life. He asked Haley a question. I even forget the question and you cried. Yes. Oh. So when you hear of Wayne Bennett and people talk about him, you go, yeah, he made me cry. Yeah, I'm like it yeah. was probably one of the most embarrassing times. Of my life. He didn't make me feel that way. He like just focused solely on me and we talked and he was, he was great, but it still just didn't take that. Yeah. It didn't take yeah. it away that I just bored my eyes. out. <laughs> it was just something he said just hit me. And I think I was injured at the time and I just broke down. I don't know. I think everything I was holding and then I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I'm sure he doesn't remember, but I certainly you do. do. Uh, but again, these people that I've met and had the privilege to be around have shaped me in some way. Like it's even when I was at Penrith with you and talking to Ivan, like he was exactly the same. He's, we had so many conversations and he was just, it wasn't even about sport. It was about my family life. And I felt so comfortable around him and them, like that environment. And, you know, I, I like to think that that's, one thing with my coaching is, you know, I am a positive influence on these athletes, um, but we don't have to, can't, you can train, but we don't have to talk about training. Yeah. I could tell you more about their personal lives, about what school they go to, what music they're into, what NFL teams they follow, then their training program really for what they've got. Really? Because that's, well, you know why that's because you genuinely care. Yeah, I do. Okay, so let's finish with, because this podcast is all about, helping other people, assisting them or maybe inspiring them. But let's let's leave with some lessons, right? Lessons for the young athlete. If you got any advice for the young 12-year-old you, let's give the 12-year-old Haley a lesson just now, just quickly. Patience, consistency. Um, I think as a as a 12-year-old, I think just you know, keeping it very relaxed and easy. You don't, just because you're doing athletics, don't stick to athletics. Have fun, try different sports, you know, like broaden your horizons because you'll get different skills. You might end up just staying on that path, but you'll get different skills from different sports. Cool. Let's give a lesson for the mother out there that's about to have a baby that's really nervous about her her body and her physique and her career some of them are worried about what's happening post a baby i just i I think there's a real stigma with motherhood sometimes especially now that um there's a rule book for it and everything has to cooper when going back to when i had cooper he sort of just fit into my life and i I think people think that's selfish that shouldn't happen but it it can't you know there's you don't have that much time to when they're a teenager or they're doing their own sport where it completely flips we have to work around their lives so I think you know relax still enjoy the things you need to do it's not just because you're a mum and you have this child um it doesn't all need to stop or if you still have goals 100% you should look look at the there's athletes now mums more so now competing at world champs and everything that goes along with it because yeah it's your life shouldn't just revolve around your child in a sense without sounding selfish (laughs) but no really though I did Cooper fit into my training he'd come to training with me you know some of the parents would walk him around or I'll go running with him in the pram and you know he's he's one determined boy now because of that when you were doing lunges in the backyard yeah after having Cooper yep how long after having him were you training physically um, as in training with Penny, do you mean? No, like just getting out the back, doing squats and lunges oh, and probably, probably holding him or running with the pram. It was only probably, I think I probably waited maybe two months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. So there's a little message there. Give a message as a parent because now you'd have to deal with a lot of parents, right? But also you're a parent yourself. You've got mm. some pretty talented young kids yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there a message for a parent just from your own experiences, how you became an Australian representative, but also now from a coaching sense you're obviously observing a lot of stuff. There's mm. a lot of pressure mm. on kids these days. I, I think a lot has to come to I'd probably go to with all the information that's out there now. It's good. It can be really good but it can be really bad because I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that think they know what they're talking about and it can just it's really hard to filter what's real and what's not so I think just stick stick to the basics don't compliment uh, don't complicate things with your child and just relax like they're not going to be there's so many kids that are stars at 12 or 14 and then they might go through those waves of being good, bad, and then they don't come out. You know, you don't put so much pressure on those kids. I see it all the time. Yeah. And I think in the back of my head that parent's going to be that kid's undoing. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good advice because there's a lot of pressure on kids. There is. More so now because, you know, you, you see kids doing all these different training and, and doing all these gym sessions and this and that and, oh, my kid can't miss out, it's sort of like a FOMO. And I understand it, but I have to do it with it with Cooper and sometimes, you know, you've had that pressure yourself as a parent going, oh, maybe he should be doing this, you know. So I understand it, but I think it's 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 really good to try and filter out what, you know, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing and just because so-and-so is doing it doesn't mean, you know, you have to be yeah. jumping on that bandwagon. Just relax. Relax as a parent. It'll come. Yeah. If they love just it make enough, sure make sure come. you put them in speed training. That's yeah, what I'm just get say. to can't beat speed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, yeah. basically, that's my advice to them: is surround, make sure you surround them with good people. Absolutely, I was lucky enough. Yeah, to yeah. have that, but it can be tough. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Thank Hayley. you. I love that. Good Enjoy catching it. up again, and yep. and well done on everything you're doing because. You're making a difference in other people's lives. And as a, it's funny, in my time in, in all the stuff that I've done in, in coaching or whatever and you see former athletes or former players doing really cool things and you love it. Mm. Like I love it. Like yep. in all different areas. Yeah. Some are doing stuff in business, some yeah. are sports, some are coaching and that. Yep. But um, you do love it and I really love seeing what you're doing. Well done. You're making a real difference and... The sky's the limit where you want to take it as a business because I can feel it, that the passion and the genuine care is there. The, the best coaches I've ever worked with or studied or spent time with or sometimes just met sparingly, the best ones have what you have, which is that genuine care. So well done. Thank you.